Thanks for tuning in to the Harvest Springs weekly podcast. Every week we'll provide you with the weekend message from our Sunday service. Well, welcome to Harvest Springs. If, uh, if, you're, if you're new over the last couple months, I probably should introduce myself. My name is Corey. I'm the lead pastor here. And, uh, and over the last several summers, we've kind of taken a little stretch during the summer to, to give you a break from me, but also to, uh, to give our staff kind of an opportunity to unpack the word together with you. And our staff has done such a great job. Um, in fact, just uh, this last Sunday, previous Sunday, we wrapped up a message series entitled Wilderness, where our staff has kind of walked through the the idea of how God uses our difficult seasons in life where we feel like we're walking through the wilderness, how God uses those to mold us, to shape us, and to, to grow us to be more like his son Christ. And, uh, we, you know, we talked about the Israelites, we talked about Job, we talked about even Jesus in this, and the process that we often find ourselves in, the, the staff did a great job I've heard ton, tons of comments of people who are just like, you know what, that was a really timely message for us. And so I'm thankful for those guys, and they did a great job, right? Amen? But it's good to be back. I'm glad uh, I've got a chance to speak uh, in some different uh, churches across kind of Montana. And, and uh, as you guys know, I kind of serve in a role overseeing uh, our churches in Montana, North Dakota, Wyoming, and, and New Mexico. It's a big territory, but uh, but it's good to be home. I feel like just being here, this is like, uh, you know, friendly and familiar faces, and it's just good to be home. I'm excited to be able to open up uh, this series called Belonging. Over the next three weeks, we're just going to take a look at how God has created us with a need to belong. And when we understand that, that gives us a, a context in which to push into finding our place to fit and belong in the body of Christ. After this series, this is three weeks, and then we're going to press into a couple weeks where we're going to take a look at our global mission strategy and, uh, and kind of catch a vision bigger than Great Falls, bigger than Harvest Springs, recognize that God has called us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And one of the ways we do that is is through engaging certain areas in the world, one of which we're actually going to have, uh, we serve uh, together with a uh, group of people in Bita, Kenya, uh, in a school called Christ Gift Academy. And one of those Sundays, we're actually going to have uh, some students, some former students from that Christ Gift Academy. They're going to come and be here in Great Falls. They're going to share with us just how our investment there and your investment in their life has made a difference for them. That's exciting. Following that, Pastor Neil, our uh, kids and family pastor, is going to do a three-week message series that's going to be focused on our identity in Christ, what the Father says, or who the Father says we are. And then following that, I'm going to launch a series on the book of Galatians. So we're going to study the six chapters of Galatians, six weeks, and uh, kind of dive into that one deeply. And then guess where we land right then? Christmas, believe it or not. That doesn't seem right, but it's, it's where we're going to be. And so that'll give you kind of a perspective of the rest of kind of our year and how God's going to lead and guide us going forward. All right, so today I'm going to give you the objectives of my message right up front. 
I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to try to accomplish. And, uh, and if I can get these three things done, I'm going to consider today a win. And I think God will consider it a win as well. The first objective is this. I want to help you see just how powerful your need for belonging is. Help you recognize it in your own life and how it's been influencing your life probably since you were young. Because if we can recognize our need for belonging and what's been driving us and that kind of that sense and that feeling and that urge, it'll help us understand many of the things that we've gone through in our life. It'll also help us make better decisions as we move forward. The second thing I want to do is to help you to see from the Bible's perspective that your need for belonging is not a mistake it's not something to, to loathe or to hate, but something to actually appreciate because God created you with it. And it's an important part of who he created you to be and how you are to function. You need that need. And then the third objective is that I want you to walk away from this service being so convinced of the first two objectives that you'll take some meaningful steps moving forward to be able to find your place of belonging in the world. Okay, so if I can uh, accomplish those three things, it's going to be a win, and I hope we can do this together. Now, how many of you guys remember the 80s? Anybody remember the 80s? And I'm telling you what, there was no better decade than the 80s. If I could go back, like the music of the 80s was so much better. Some of the television shows in the 80s were so much better. But one of the one of the sitcoms that was tremendously popular in the 80s was a show called Cheers. How many of you guys remember Cheers? Okay, I remember watching Cheers. I wasn't even very old, but I remember watching Cheers. Cheers was a, 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 a sitcom all focused on life inside of a bar. This real life bar that actually exists in Boston called Cheers. And the, the characters inside and how they interacted with, uh, with one another inside the bar, all really around drinking and alcohol. But it became an incredibly popular show. You had Sam the bartender. You had Norm the, the accountant. You had Carla, Frazier, Cliff, right? I mean, we had all these characters. They were all different. They were all unique, but they all found a place to belong at this bar. I want you to listen to the actual intro to the, to the uh, show Cheers. I'm guessing it will bring back quite a few memories for you as you hear it. Let's listen together. How many of you wanted to sing along? Now, here's the deal. I want you to listen to the lyrics of that song. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. In fact, I've got these up on the screen. Why don't you just put them up there for everybody? Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Anybody want to say amen right there? Okay. And then the chorus. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Where they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Now, just thinking about that, 
I go, man, that's me. I, I resonate with that. And I think that's the reason why Cheers was so popular was because that idea resonated as well. We all wanted to find a place where we could belong, a place where we could connect. You know, despite all of our troubles and our difficulties, right? There was a place that people knew us. They, they cared about what was happening in our world. And we could connect around things that we found in common. The show itself, right? Sam Malone, uh, a failure of a major league pitcher and then becomes a bar owner trying to make ends meet after, right, after the major leagues. You've got Carla, kind of that feisty uh, waitress who has all kinds of relationship and family problems. You've got Norm, the accountant who loses his job and then has to become a house painter to make ends meet. You've got Frazier, played by Kelsey Grammer, who I hear they're bringing a show back around this, which would be hilarious. But Frazier is kind of this lonely, uh, struggling uh, psychiatrist. Cliff, who is, well, who can forget Cliff, right? The struggling, you know, depressed, often despairing mailman. And this ragtag group of all these dysfunctional kind of characters somehow build meaningful friendships and relationships around the bar. They find a place where they can go, where they can get away, where people are glad they're coming, where their troubles can all be understood as the same. That's what we would describe as a place to belong. And I would venture to say that we all long for that. Because why? Because we all have problems. We all have issues. We all... We all feel inadequate and insecure about ourselves from time to time. And we long to find a place where none of that stuff really matters. Where even though we are with failures, and even though we have messes in our life, and even though there's struggles all around us, we can just come and be accepted and loved and valued by those around us. We can connect. We can find something bigger than ourselves, a community or a family. Now, cheers played off this inward need in our lives for belonging. And it gave us kind of that sense like, hey, here's something we can feel like we're a part of. We connect with the characters and we're a part of that even though, right, we're not there, but we would resonate with that idea. And for all of your life, I'm guessing you felt it too. In fact, it starts young. We start to realize this desire to belong. In fact, think about this. How many of you guys have ever had a five-year-old that didn't get invited to the birthday party? What happens with that five-year-old? Right, there's a, they're a mess. They're, they struggle. They feel outcast. They, they feel like they're not accepted or valued. What about what if, if you had a kid who is part of, you know, three uh, gals come over for the play date, one gets frustrated because the other two seem closer than the other? Right? We struggle with this feeling of belonging even from when we're young. And in fact, when we are young, God gives us our family as a way to help wrestle around with the inner need we have for belonging. When we're very young, 
Our family is the place where we discover our value and our significance, where we can be a part of something bigger than ourselves, where people do know our name and appreciate what we do and appreciate who we are. Families are what God has created to help us navigate our early urges for belonging. Now, as I say that, I also realize that there's probably a good chunk of us in this room that when you think about your family experience and your family growing up, that that's not true of you. Your family life was was not cheers, (laughs) where you didn't have anybody that was expressing to you, you're valuable, you're important, helping you learn how to build relationships, how to be a part of something bigger, bigger than yourself. In a lot of ways, in your family, you felt alone. You felt like it was all on you and that there was nobody else to be with you. This is one of the reasons why those, the, the pain and the, the struggle that you ultimately then have carried your whole life I think is one of the reasons why Satan works so hard to destroy the marriage and the family in this world. He doesn't want you to understand what it means to belong. He wants you to feel like the outcast. That's why God then sends his son, Jesus Christ, to help you understand you are belonging and you are beloved. You have a place. But even if you had a good family life, even if you had a family that showed those things to you. Guess what happens around junior high age? If you have a junior high kid, you probably already know this is probably already happening. Around junior high, you start to make a shift. Instead of finding your place of belonging in your family, you start to find it more and more and more in your peers, in the group of friends that you have. I watched this happen uh, just this week, or not this week, but a couple of weeks ago, with my young daughter, Ellison. My youngest daughter, uh, she's right in this age. She's just right on the front end of it, but she is a mama's girl. She sticks with Tasha all the time. In fact, uh, Tasha works at the same school where Ellie attends. And if I ever drive past and I see Tasha outside, Ellie's usually standing right next to her. Ellie stays connected to Tasha all the time. In fact, she would not go to kids' camp this year unless Tasha was also going to go and be a counselor there. She didn't want to be separated from Mama. On Thursday of kids' camp, there's only one day left, I get a phone call from Tasha. She sounds like she has been just offended like you could not uh, believe. She's like, Corey, you will not believe what Ellison just told me. I said, what? She said, she does not want to ride home with me in the truck. She wants to ride home with her friends in the church van. (laughs) Tasha was like, how could she do such a thing? But the reality is, Ellison, over the course of camp, got a chance to connect relationally with her peers. And what it did was it, it met a need in her, her need of belonging. And all of a sudden, she wanted more of that and to connect more. She wanted to find herself in that group of peers. And we all do it. At some point, we shift away from our parents and into our peers. Like, we want to find our place to belong outside of our family. Now, I want to share my story with you a little bit about this. Because I hope it's encouraging to you, but I hope it also helps you see a little bit 
into your own life and how some of this need for belonging has kind of derailed you from time to time. Because I had a good family. I had parents that loved me and invested in me, and they, I knew I was good with them. But I still went looking for relationships outside of my family. We moved to a new community when I was in junior high. And I'll be honest with you, those were the loneliest years of my life. I don't even remember much about my junior high years. I'm not going to tell you that they were all horrible and filled with misery and pain. I'm not, I just felt lonely. I felt outcast. I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. I felt like I got made fun of. I got, felt like I was left out of everything. I just felt like that was where uh, I, I lived in my junior high years. And I know lots of kids who are in junior high, and you're like, okay, that's my life right now. That's what I feel. Every junior higher kind of feels like that. And that's what I felt in that transition period. When I got into high school, the Lord really blessed me then with a group of peers that was really positive. We moved to a new community up to Harlem, uh, up north here, um, right on the edge of the Fort Belknap Indian Reservation. And, uh, and we moved there. I didn't know anybody. Again, I was, I was you know, kind of living in this realm of feeling outcast and alone. Two days after I'd got there, I was outside playing basketball, and these two twins from across the street walked across the street and asked me if we could play ball together. They happened to be the same age as me. We were in the same class together. We ended up being on the same sports teams together. And those two guys were connected to a pretty tight group of peers, a little peer group, that had really committed themselves to live right and on the, life on the res is tough. Drugs and alcohol are a huge influence. And this group had committed themselves to not get caught up in drugs and alcohol. And so they, they kind of formed this little group of about eight or so, and we connected together. In fact, so tight-knit was this group that they invited me to be a part of. They did a whole article in the Harlem News on it. I wanted to show you the picture of it. There it is, the big old Harlem News. I don't even know if they still have a paper, but <laughs> maybe it's 50th year, number nine. Maybe that's the, the ninth ep, uh, edition they put out. But right on the front, there's our little group. There's me on the far left. Now, what ultimately happened, there's a group of about eight of us. In fact, Joe Addy, our Native American pastor, uh, he was actually a part of this group. He's not in the picture, but we would hang out all together, and he was a part of that. We graduated together. This group of eight of us, we, we would find ourselves kind of hanging out in the basement. In fact, that article, just hanging out. Positive peer pressure helps fight the lure of booze. That group became kind of the place I belonged. And from sophomore, junior, and, and my senior year, to be honest with you, I, I could have cared less about my parents or what was going on in my family. It was by that time I'd found a group to belong to, and that's all I wanted to do was hang out with my friends. I wanted to be with them. And some of you guys, if you have high schoolers, you kind of understand. That's, that's the posture right now of probably your high school kids. Is I just want to hang out with my friends. I just want to hang out with my friends. I just want to hang out with my friends. But something happened. When I graduated from high school, 
and I went to college, I had to leave all of those relationships. Nobody from my high school went to college with me. I went on my own. My parents didn't go with me. My siblings didn't go with me, right? There was, I was there on my own. And I remember the very first day, and some of, uh, some of our uh, seniors that are just, I, I just have listened to it a couple times today, um, that some parents were dropping off their kids uh, yesterday at college for the very first time. In fact, that's where Joe's at right now with his, with his daughter, dropping off their kids at college for the first time. Some of you guys remember that too. But I was standing in line at Dickinson State University in Dickinson, North Dakota, freshman orientation, and I looked around me and I knew nobody. It was before cell phones, before text messages, right? I, there was nobody to call. And I, in that moment, I still remember it, even in the depths of my soul, I can feel it. I was terrified about being alone. I didn't know if I was ever going to make a friend. I didn't know if there was ever going to be anybody that I would connect to. Am I going to be eating in the cafeteria alone for the rest of my college career? Am I going to know anybody in my classes? What if I fail? Am I going to like my roommate? Right? All of the questions is kind of sweeping over me in this sense of being alone. And it was horrible. And what happened next ultimately changed my life, not in a good way. As I was standing there in line, all of a sudden I heard someone yell, Hey, Ingle! Well, all of a sudden, like, the darkness of being alone went away. Because why? Someone knew my name. Someone knew me. I know somebody here. I whipped around, and about, you know, five or six people back in line was a kid that I had played uh, in the Class B All-Star game with a couple of months before. We didn't know each other. I bet you he didn't even know my name. He only knew me as Ingle because that was the last name that you slapped on the front of your helmets when you, when you played that week. I knew him as Hobber. We didn't know each other, but all of a sudden, he probably in his loneliness and I'm in my loneliness, we, saw, we knew each other. Suddenly, we lost on to one another and we were friends. We ended up being in the same dormitory, being on the same floor. That night as I was putting, unpacking my boxes and putting stuff away, all of a sudden a knock on the door. I open it up. There's my friend. He's like, hey, my roommate invited uh, me to go to a party down at the end of the hall. You want to come? Now, in that moment, I knew that wasn't a good decision. In fact, I had spent three years being a part of a group fighting hard against the lure of alcohol and the temptation of partying and all that kind of stuff. And I had, we had a formed a, a positive group to kind of keep us from falling into the trap of that stuff. I knew that right away I had no friends here. And if I go to this party, right, I'm vulnerable. This is not a good decision for me to make. Do you know what ultimately happened? The desire to belong was so strong in me that even though I knew it wasn't a wise decision, I couldn't resist. I didn't want to reject the possibility of friends, a place to connect. I put my stuff away, followed my friend down the hall, knocked on the door, room 101, and opened up. There inside was a whole group of people. Every single one of them had a beer in their hands. 
and walked in. My friend Cody's like, hey, this is my buddy Corey. We played together in the Class Bay All-Star game. A couple of football players in the room that was playing for Dickens say, hey, man, why aren't you playing football? Ah, knee injury. Oh, man, here, have a beer. And I remember as they're handing me a beer, I'd never had a beer before. Never, never, I'd never held one in my hand. I hesitated in that moment. What do I do? But I looked around the room and everybody else had a beer in their hand. And here's what I thought. If I say no, then you know what? I don't belong. If I say no, then I'm not like everybody else. If I say no, then they're all going to know that Corey doesn't fit in. He's not one of us. And I didn't want that. I needed a place to belong. So I reached out and I grabbed that beer. I pretended to drink it all night long. The next morning, when I walked into the cafeteria, suddenly I wasn't sitting alone, but I had people that I knew. I didn't have to be by myself. And all of a sudden, the, the relationship, at least the, the, the connection that I thought I had with people, all of a sudden now I'm, that starts feeding that need in my soul. And it got greater and greater. So when the knock that very next night came at my door and there was my friend saying, hey, they're having a party in the same room. You want to come? I didn't even hesitate. There was not even an ounce of, 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 of thought. I put my stuff away and down the hall I went. When they handed me a beer, it wasn't even a, a thought. I just grabbed it. That night I had my very first beer. Two nights later, I got drunk for the very first time. It happened that fast. All because I desperately needed to fit in. I desperately needed to find a place. And I tell you that story so that you can maybe understand some of the decisions you've made in your life, places of compromise, where, where you felt that same desire to try to connect and fit in, find your place, and how do I fit? And in the effort to try to answer those questions, you've made really devastating decisions. Choices that have changed the course of your life. You see, for the next two years in my life, I destroyed my life with alcohol. From my vantage point, Alcohol was the only thing that made me fit in. It was the only thing that made me belong. And I think it was the same for my friends. So we couldn't do anything without alcohol. You couldn't watch a game without alcohol. You couldn't go to a game without alcohol. You couldn't, you know, I mean, it's, everything was about alcohol. It was the thing that connected us all. It made us feel like we belonged. The problem is that that all quickly falls apart. And no matter how destructive alcohol was in my life. I just couldn't seem to let it go because it was the one place where I felt like I wasn't alone. You see how powerful our need for belonging can be? And it can lead us into lots of stuff, not just alcohol, but it can lead us into bad relationships. It can lead us to compromised relationships. I mean, man, I, I watch young gals oftentimes just this, such a great need to belong they compromise their standards and get in, it connected to just, just bad guys. But they just so want to belong, and they're so desperate to find their place. Or to be honest with you, we see a lot of people that just, hey, we're latching on to anything that can be an identity for me. 
And if I can find a group in which people, you know, kind of understand, then I'll just grab hold of that. It's an identity and it's a way for me to belong, right? We just watch it happen all around us. How did this need for belong become so powerful and strong in our lives? Let me go really quick here. If you go to Genesis chapter 1, what you'll find is God creates man and woman, right? He says that it's good. In fact, he says it's very good. This is in Genesis chapter 1. But in Genesis chapter 2, if we go to verse 5, we kind of see the detail of man's creation. And what we often think is that when God just created Adam and Eve kind of together at the same time, but that's not actually what happened. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, it says, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil there also. I want you to notice a couple of things. Notice who hasn't been created yet. Eve. God created Adam first alone. Alone. Okay? Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Why would God do such a thing? Now, not only did God create Adam and create him alone, but it also says that in his aloneness, God then plants a garden and creates a, makes a place, and he takes Adam and puts him in the garden, gives him really a home, a place to be, and then gives him a task, a purpose for his existence. It says to cultivate and keep the garden. Right? So this is your dominion, right? Keep it. Do a good job here. So now if you think about this, from our vantage point, what does a person need? Well, they need a relationship. Well, what does Adam have? Adam has a relationship with God. It's just him and God. Can you imagine how awesome it would be as if it was just you and God? God's, I mean, you got God's full attention. Right? You're it. You could talk to God anytime you want. And, and you know, it's it's like this perfect relationship with God. Adam has a relationship with God. He also has a place to live. He's got stuff to eat, and he's got a purpose, a reason for existence. Most guys would go, what else do you need? What's interesting about that is we look at that and go, all of Adam's needs are met in that framework. Relationship with God, place to live, food, and purpose. And yet God looks at that, and in verse 18, says an interesting thing out loud. He doesn't just think this to himself. He actually declares this. It is not good that the man should be alone. It's not good that the man should be alone. Now, I thought about this. Why in the world wouldn't God create Adam and Eve together? Right? It's not like God wasn't, you know, thinking about the reproduction side of things or the gender side of things because he created the birds and the fish and all those kinds of things. Those all have genders. He had male and female, and they all reproduced, and they were all called to, you know, uh, reproduce. 
in that, in that framework. It's not like God didn't figure that out with mankind either. I think God is doing something intentional here with Adam. There's a reason why God created Adam alone. I believe that God needed Adam to experience aloneness. That Adam needed to feel what it was like to be alone so that he could genuinely appreciate and understand the blessedness of belonging. I want you to think about that for a moment. If Adam never felt alone, would he fully understand and appreciate the the blessedness of belonging or community or relationships? Adam needed some alone time. Because it was in that context, then he could understand just how great it is to be connected with others. Now, sometimes in this, we see people that will go to extremes, especially in Christianity. I have heard people say this. Well, Corey, my faith is a private matter. It's between me and God. I, it doesn't really, uh, I don't need anybody else. I don't need anybody else getting involved in my relationship with God. This is between me and God and us alone. I feel closest to God when I'm alone, when I'm away from everybody. I'd rather go up on the mountain. That's my church, right? Have you heard all these things? We probably even said these things from time to time. I have to be, as kind of an introvert, it's easy for me to just kind of sneak off and go and be alone. I have to check this sometimes in my heart. If we believe that we don't need anyone else but only God and God alone, and it sounds almost sacrilegious to say that, but even God, when he looked at Adam being in a relationship with him and him alone, said that's not good. He needs something else. Now, don't misunderstand me. In no way am I suggesting that Christ isn't sufficient or diminishing his supreme value in our lives in any way. But what I am saying is that you cannot experience the fullness of Christ in your life alone. You cannot experience the fullness. And this is on a slide. This is a big one. So if you would put it up on the screen, don't miss this. You cannot experience the fullness of Christ alone. Adam was alone with God. He had a place to live. He had everything he needed. But even God said, it's not good. You need relationship with other people. In Proverbs 18, 1, it says, he who separates himself, seeks his own desire, and quarrels against all sound wisdom. Basically, the Corey Engel version of that, uh, that proverb is if you try to do things on your own, alone, without anyone else, that's stupid. You quarrel against all sound wisdom. It's just not, it's not wise. Wisdom recognizes I need relationships with other people. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 11, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls and there's not another to lift them up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? 
We need each other. We need relationships beyond just a relationship with God. And that's, that's fascinating to me. But God has created us with a need to belong, not just to Himself, but also to other people. So some people will go, I'll only need God and I don't need anyone else. Well, you're making a mistake there. But on the same side, many people will leave God out of the equation and just pursue a relationship and try to find a place of belonging with people minus God. You see, that was where I was at. That was my thing. When I went to college, I didn't have a relationship with God. I knew God. I knew about God. I had learned about God. I grew up in church, but I didn't want God in any part of my life, to be quite honest with you. So when I left and went to college, all I had was to try to find a relationship with people outside of myself. Because I didn't have a relationship with God, the need for belonging was out of control for me. I couldn't harness it. There were no reins. And so it led me then to spiral off the cliff and to compromise in my desperate attempt to try to fill that need. Without God, my, my need for uh, belonging translated into weakness and vulnerability. I became desperate. I would have been friends with anybody and done anything to just find a place. And ultimately, you know what that led to? Feeling more alone than I ever had in my life. After two years of just ruining my life with alcohol, I felt like I had broken all my relationships with my family, all my relationships with my friends. I, I literally felt like my life was in ruins. And at the end of the school year, as I was looking at how, how much damage I had done to my life, I came to my senses. It's the only way I can describe it. In fact, I don't know if you guys remember the, the, the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son basically goes to his dad and says, I don't care about you anymore. Just give me my money and I want to leave. I want to go find my place to belong outside of the family. So he takes off, takes his money, and he just destroys his life. Right? Because there's no connection to the Father, no connection to a place of belonging. So now he is desperate, and he does the very thing that I did. Right, He's weak, vulnerable, compromises, and before long, he also is in the same mess. Everything is lost, squandered all of his riches, he's got no friends, and the only thing he has left is this job where he's feeding pigs, and he's so hungry, he just wishes he could eat their food. That's how, that's how bad things were at for this guy in his life. And do you know what the Bible says? It says, and he came to his senses. He came to his senses. Finally, the truth sunk in far enough into his mind where he realized, you know what? I could go back to my father. My father is gracious. My father is kind. My father is good. My father can provide. It would be better for me even just to be a servant at my father's table than it would be to be where I'm at right now. And he came to his senses. He started thinking properly, and he got up and returned home. Well, to be quite honest with you, that's exactly my story. In the mess of everything I had done over two years of just desperately trying to find a place to belong, I realized that I couldn't do it myself. 
I could not fix this on my own. And I realized that I had a gracious God, a loving Father who cared about me, that longed for me to return to Him. And so in that moment, I cried out to God for help. I asked for His forgiveness. I surrendered to Him as King. I don't know how it all fit together or how it worked. In that moment, I just knew I couldn't do it on my own. And I surrendered to him. For the first time, I think I understood what it meant to follow him. To reorient my life around his lordship in my life. And suddenly then I realized that I belonged to God. Right, That thing that I had been missing in my life, that need, suddenly had been satisfied to a certain extent in Christ. But it didn't just stay there, okay? It didn't just stay there. When I returned to school that next uh, fall, I was utterly alone. I knew that I couldn't connect to any of the old relationships that I had in the past. I just knew that I, I couldn't get caught up in that stuff any longer. I had to find new relationships that were going to be healthy and positive and that were going to encourage me and strengthen me and not drag me down the same old path. I couldn't just stay God and God alone, stay in my room and pray all day, right? I could have, but God would have said, Corey, that's not good. It's not good for you to be alone. You know what I ultimately had to do? When I got to college, I knew I didn't even know that there were other Christians on our campus. But as I was at uh, the lunch hall eating alone, I saw a little sign. It was an invitation to a, a Christian gathering of college students. Now, trust me, I didn't want to go alone. Who wants to go to church alone? It's weird. It's a little, you know, awkward. Some of you guys are feeling that even now. And I, if, you, if you've come alone today, man, I, I give you all kinds of kudos for, for courageously coming just on your own, knowing, man, this is good for me and I need this. I remember sitting in the back of that room, and to be honest with you, it was kind of corny, this little Christian group. They sang songs. Ugh, it was a little weird. But do you know what? I met a couple people there. I went back to the next week, and I met a couple more people. I went back the next week when someone asked, hey, would you be interested in helping in this little project? I volunteered. When I found out they were offering some Bible studies, I went and participated in a Bible study. Before long, I had built some pretty decent relationships where I actually had somebody to go sit down with and eat lunch with and, and meet uh, and go study with. And I found things that were in common with other friends. And before long, that group became such an influence in my life that in many ways that group is why I'm here even today. It didn't happen because I just stayed in my room and all of a sudden these people came and found me. I found a place to belong because I had to choose to allow the belonging of Christ in me to flow out into finding a place to belong in the body of Christ. I had to make choices to do so. So how do you find that place to belong? I'm going to ask the band to come out. We're just going to, I'm going to wrap up with these four things really quick. 
How do you find that place of belonging in your life? Well, number one, it starts here. You've got to make sure you belong to Christ first. Like I said, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you don't belong to God, then you know what? That need for belonging will be out of control with no reins, and it will lead you to make the worst possible choices. When you have a relationship with Christ, Christ then begins to give you context and guidance in terms of how to navigate that need for belonging. We all have it. We all feel it. It just needs to be given good guidance and direction to benefit our life. And Christ can help us with that. Without Christ, we're on our own and we can't do it. But with Christ, He can guide us and direct us. So if you want to find a place to belong, a place that's ultimately going to be the best for you, you've got to start by making sure you belong to Christ. If you're in this room today and you know, man, I don't belong to Christ. I don't have a relationship with Christ. I've not surrendered to Christ as my king. I want to challenge you today. Don't leave this place today without making the decision to follow him. You'll never regret. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is find a place to serve. In a lot of ways, this would be like a crawl step. You know, if there's a crawl and a walk and a run step, some of us are just not ready to run yet. But some of us, we certainly could crawl. We're just going to make some progress, slow and steady towards the goal. Maybe the first step for you is to then, if you know you're, you belong to Christ, then find a place to serve. Jump in and find a place to serve. It's one of the reasons why it's such a good thing when you just jump on a serve team. And you can help in the coffee shop. You can help in the AV side. You can help greet people. You can help with BBS. You can help with serve day. You can help with, you know, outreach kind of things. There, you can clean toilets. You can serve food. I mean, there's all kinds of things we can do. And when you find a place to serve, guess what? Mission drives us into it. But while you're there, guess what you do? You also connect with other people. You start to find places where you can actually, I know you. You know me. It's that 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 shared mission together that actually can launch you into some deeper relationships in the body of Christ. Find a place to serve. The third thing is this is more of a walk uh, step. Is jump into a Bible study. Bible studies are usually pretty non-threatening. You can you can jump into them at any level. They usually are just for a short little time period, usually six to eight weeks or so. But you know what? When you start into a Bible study, now it's in that context. You start to talk about your relationship with God, what God's doing in you, what God's revealing to you. You start to hear from other people, what God is doing in them, what God's revealing to them. And all of a sudden now, the place of community actually starts to forge a little deeper than just mission. Now we're learning together and we're growing together. If you really want to find a place of belonging and community, the fourth step is jump into a small group. Sure, small groups have mission, right? They go serve and do projects and things like that. Sure, small groups do Bible study. There's learning incorporated with it. But the real driver in a small group is that we're sharing our lives together. We're living this life together. We're exposing ourselves to each other because this is, this is you seeing who I am. And I'm willing to accept you in your mess, in your trouble. 
our small groups become our cheers. Those four things can be challenging, but they're all things that we can do. Whatever your next step in this journey is, I want to encourage you to courageously take it, knowing that God has created you for belonging. He has created you fit in His family. And if you're convinced of that, then I challenge you to take your steps to find that place and to not give up until you do. With every head bowed and eye closed, before we go, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you know you're one of those that just needs to start with Christ, I need to belong to Him. Would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor Corey, I just need to belong to Christ. I need to surrender to Him and His kingship in my life. And I need to do that today. I see those hands. Thank you for for being courageous and responding. So Lord, for those who have raised their hands today, I pray, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself. May their response to you be the first step of trusting you with everything they have and finding their place in your kingdom and the family of God. We pray, Lord, that that those steps would be... uh, Maybe they might be scary for us, but the God, you would give us courage and strength to take them no matter what they are. And that you would help us all belong to you and to your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks so much for listening to the Harvest Springs podcast. Our hope is that you hear the truth of God's word and that you are encouraged and challenged by it. If you would like to take your faith journey to the next level, check out the Getting Started plan on our mobile app or our website, harvestsprings.com. The Getting Started plan is a seven-day video-based teaching that will help you start your relationship with Jesus off in the right direction. And if there's anything that we can do to help, just fill out a connection card on our website or on the mobile app.